0: It is fantastic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Overtime Podcast presented by The Cold Front Report. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Clayton Garrett. You can find me on Twitter at CFR Clayton. And joining me as always,
1: Jeff Uvino. You can find me on Twitter at RealJUvino, R-E-A-L-J-U-V-E-I-N-O.
0: So... This is going to be a bit of a different episode compared to previous weeks because after the Bills sustained their third loss of the season, their second loss in three weeks, as they lost to the Browns 19-16, to 16, a lot of people have different thoughts on this. A lot of people are blaming different things. They're saying, well, the defense should have held that final drive. Well, the kicker should have made two field goals. Well, Josh Allen needs to execute. Yeah, those are all true. I'm, I'm going to agree with every single one of those statements but you look at the consistency of all those other things. The only thing that's been really as inconsistent as the offensive play calling, which I, I believe 110% is at fault for this loss. And you look at other games. The only thing that's as inconsistent is Stephen Housh commit, missing and making field goals as he, I, I think he's what he's six eight for, for 14. 14, six for yeah, eight for 14. That's it. Pardon me. It's the offense. It's Brian Dable. Buffalo, we have a Brian Dable problem. And I, I think every single loss this season has been on his shoulders. There's obviously opportunities for other things to, to be had in football games, but you look at the ineptitude of the bills offense this season and you go back and if you try, go ahead and try and fun, find some sort of resemblance of success of Brian Dable calling plays in the national football league, you, you will not find any, none. you won't Jeff. I want to hear your thoughts on the Bills' loss this past weekend.
1: You know, it honestly surprised me when I woke up Monday morning and Brian Dable still had a job, and I think it probably surprised him too, maybe even. <clears throat> um, this loss, it stung a little more, because even though the Bills played pretty bad, and I don't think they deserved to win that game, it was definitely in reach to where it looked like they should have won. And after the the play... Where Jerry Hughes scooped and scored there, that was reversed, which it was cur- the great call that was reversed. But in live time, I didn't see that. I thought, "Wow, we just won this game, game that we we for the most part got outplayed, except for the two goal line stands." I thought, um, and so I think that's why it stung a little more, is that there was a real chance for the Bills to win the game. And after the opening drive, when the defense just got shredded, they played really well. They did. The Browns just had two bookend drives: one to start the game and one to finish it, and You know you can like you said you can say what you want about the missed field goals or about giving up the scoring drive at the end of the game, but the offense was brutal, absolutely brutal. I mean, you're facing one of the worst run defenses in the league. Your running back Singletary is seemingly running for six or eight yards every time he touches the ball in the first half. Then they decide they're going to throw the ball the rest of the day with a quarterback who can't throw a ball deep. I mean, I I I don't have an answer at this
0: point. It's this is week ten. I don't have an answer. So if if you're a regular listener to this podcast, and even if you're a new listener, go back and listen to every single episode that we've done. And I have highlighted the issues on the offensive side of the ball, win or loss, because this, this is a pragmatic podcast. I'm not going to sing the praise of a football team that obviously has issues. People want to say, oh, well, they're six and three. They're six and three. And people want to talk about, how good the teams they're playing has been. Okay, well, let's find out how good this football team is. Let's find out. Because here we are, six and three, and you're playing a team that's won two straight and has been playing a completely different brand of football since they almost whooped you in your home stadium. So let's, let, let's find out what this football team really is. Because I'll tell you right now, the strength of this football team is the defense. And people, gripe, people can gripe all they want about how the defense should hold that final drive. The defense should hold. The defense held a team... With the record-setting touchdown passer for rookies, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they held that offense to 19 points. And that's not good enough in the professional football league for what reason? Give me one reason that's not that's not good enough to beat them on Sundays. Well, I got your reason. And to be blunt, and sorry for the lack of nuance, but the Bills' offense sucks. And that's why. Brian Dable's play calling is inconsistent. And you know what? I wish I could tell you that. I'm confident that it'll get fixed, but I'm not. And you want to know why? Because we're in week 10. Brian Dable has consistently been inconsistent all season. So against the Washington Redskins, you see Devin Singletary get the ball 23 times. 23 times, 140 scrimmage yards, and the Bills won. They control that game from start to finish. So now you're facing a defense that allows 140 on the ground. 140 yards on the ground every game. You want to know how many carries Devin Singletary had? Eight. It'd be one thing if Devin Singletary was getting stuffed every single play. This kid averaged five yards per carry. Why aren't we running the ball? It'd be one thing if the Browns had a bad pass defense. Oh, no, they don't. They don't at all. They have one of the best pass defenses in the league. I'll call them one of the best pass defenses in the league because they're the sixth best in the NFL. They're allowing just over 200 yards per game. They're very comparable to the Bills' past defense. You look at who they feature in their secondary with Denzel Ward, Morgan Burnett, Demarius Randall, and Greedy Williams. They're nothing to be slept on. But the Bills did as they threw into the win 41 times on Sunday. And they only scored 16 points as a result. And they not only
1: threw into the win, they did it with a quarterback who can't throw a deep ball. I mean, I'm not a big negative guy on Josh Allen. I don't like to tear down Josh Allen. But he can't throw the, he can't throw the deep ball. He's shown us that and whether it's because Dables put him in a position to where you know he's he's not playing to Allen's strengths or whatever he's got to be able to hit those receivers down the field I mean even if you hit it once obviously there's a couple of times where he had guys or it's just it's just been a theme we've heard it we've talked about Allen's inaccuracy since he was drafted we've heard it about it a lot and I've always said that it can't, it isn't really going to be that big of a deal I feel like because you can you can figure it out but there were so many plays yesterday that it was Looked like if the ball would have been a few inches in a different spot, it would have been caught. Where it was balls that were contested, you know, and like maybe third and medium, you know, a ball the the tight end or a ball the Beasley. That if it's out in front of him a little more, catch him. The the play in the end zone. Who, who was that? To Knox or Cross? Yes, it was Knox. To Knox. If that ball's out in front of him more, that's a touchdown. You know, but he he hit he threw it to him. He didn't hit him and Stride Allen threw it to him, and so the defender was able to make a play on the ball. So for me. Obviously, the offensive coordinator is the number one culprit as to why the offense is struggling. But I and I hate to say it, but I think the second culprit is the quarterback. You know, people can say what they want about the Bills not making a move for a receiver at the deadline, but I think the receivers they have are fine. You know, call a damn play; they'll get the receivers open, and have a quarterback that can throw it to them it does any receiver in the league can do that. Any receiver off the practice. squad. we saw Duke Williams come in and people say, Oh, Duke Williams. He's great. Wow. He caught a touchdown. Holy crap. Anyone can do that. You know, you got to call it a good place and get receivers open because as much as, as I want to blame this on Allen, I will say for the majority of the game, nobody was open. Absolutely nobody. And that was with empty backfield sets where you had five guys on the field and no one was open. No one was even remotely open. So I think that Allen and Dable are the two culprits of why the bills offense, as you said, as you correctly said sucks, it does suck. And at this point, I don't think bills fans can find any other scapegoats
0: when you're talking about an offensive coordinator and a quarterback. It's not just a relationship. It's not just a, they're not just coworkers. They're not just peers. That is a marriage. They need to be on the same page. need, they need to have a chemistry with one another and they need to know how to utilize what one another wants to do this marriage ain't working it's not and let's just take everything with face value okay let take yourselves back to following the 2017 regular season when the bills fired, fired when rightfully fired rico dennison take yourselves back so the bills are on a journey to find their next quarterback and obviously, given everything they've said it said post-draft, Josh Allen was their guy. Inevitably, they wanted Josh Allen. So if you planned on drafting Josh Allen, it, it's been well-documented. He was one of the most raw quarterbacks in that quarterback class. So the offensive coordinator that you handpick for him, who has finished in the bottom three in total offense and the bottom two in passing offense every single year in his coaching career, that's the dude you handpick. That's who you want to be your offensive coordinator. That, that really, you were then impressed with the one half of football with Tua Tugavailoa in the national championship to give this guy the keys to your offense, the keys to your franchise quarterback. Because Tua has had such a hard time finding success since Brian Dables left his side, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so this is the dude you want to run your offense. And here we are. So prior, prior to Brian Dable coming to Buffalo, The excuse always was, well, he had inadequate talent in the professional football league. He had no talent in the NFL. So here we are 10 weeks into the regular season of 2019 after an off season in which three draft picks were made on the second day of the draft on offense. You had Dawson Knox, Cody Ford, and Devin Singletary 13 free, 13 active free agent signees for the offense. Oh, and don't forget the seventh overall pick from 2018, Josh Allen, the highest drafted quarterback in Bill's history. Pardon my French, but there is no more excuses for this guy. No more. That's what I was told numerous times when I had very similar questions. This guy has never had success in the NFL. Just like most of Bill Belichick's disciples, he has not had any success in the league, and there has been no resemblance of any success in any facet of any offense he has been responsible for. And the, the answer I always get was, he didn't have talent. Well, the Bills got a lot of talent this offseason. They have one of the best run-blocking offensive lines. In my opinion, one of the best rookie running backs. And this dude's getting eight carries. And this running offensive line, the, uh, the, the running backs had 13 carries against the Browns. And this is, two, this is consecutive losses in which running backs saw less than 15 carries. Because against the Eagles, they saw only 12. There's no more excuses for Brian Dable. And I'm with you, Jeff. I was confused as well as to why he had a job. And also T.J. Yeldon
1: wasn't active against the Browns, which he is. That's not the first time that's happened this year, obviously. So I don't really understand that. I mean, is there an injury we don't know about there? You might know that. You might know something I don't with T.J. Yeldon, but why is he not? I, I,
0: not, I couldn't not tell playing? you. I couldn't tell you. It's another example of gross middle misutilization for the offensive personnel that we have. So I say they signed 13 free agents, and one of which being T.J. Yeldon. Who, might I mind you, former Bills offensive coordinator, managed to get him fifty-eight catches in a Blake Bortles offense. In a Blake Bortles offense, this guy was utilized for fifty-eight catches, and this dude has eleven targets ten weeks into the season. I don't have your, I don't have an answer for you. I really don't. I wish I did. I wish they had T.J. Yellen active on game day. It's one of the many examples of the Bills personnel across the board of players that are misutilized.
1: It must be Brandon Bean and company are really sticking to their guns on this one, they, I don't know if they don't want to admit that they made a bad hire, which I don't know why the hell you would do that. Why would you, why can't you swallow your pride for the better of your team? I mean, do they want to give this guy a whole season or what? I I mean, do you have some statistics from Brian Dable led offenses in the past to just show people how bad it is, how bad he has been? Yeah. Yeah, I do. So let's
0: hear him in 2009. He had the 32nd ranked offense in terms of yardage. They were 29th in points, eighth in rushing and 32nd in the pass. 2010, 29th total yardage, 31st in points, 20th in rushing, 29th in the passing game in 2011, arguably his best year as a professional offensive coordinator, 22nd in the league of total yardage, 20th in points, 11th in the running game. And they had the 23rd ranked passing offense in 2012, the 24th ranked team in terms of yardage, 32nd in points, fifth in running and 32nd in the passing game in 2018, 30th total yards, 30th in points, 9th in rushing, and 31st in the passing game. This season, they're 23rd in the the league in total yardage, 25th in points, 12th in the running game, and 24th in the league in passing. You know what I see? I see a trend. I see a trend that Brian Dable would be an excellent run game coordinator. He would be an excellent run game coordinator. But every other facet of his offense is pitiful. It's inept. There is nothing going for any offense that he has ever been responsible for. And I'm sick and tired of people trying to make excuses for this guy and be apologists. Does Josh Allen need to be better? Yes. But guess what? Josh Allen was a raw quarterback, the most raw quarterback amongst those quarterbacks that came out last season. And he's not even two seasons into his career. Brian Dable is a professional coach, or so it seems. It's so so people have told me that he is a coach. He is a professional offensive coordinator in the National Football League. What kind of – what is his excuse? I understand saying that Josh Allen isn't two seasons into his career is an excuse, but we all know the development process that Josh Allen account for. We all know what he had to do or or the growth that we needed to see from him in order for him to be a franchise quarterback. And he's headed in the right direction. Say what you will about his long ball inefficiencies, but he's headed in the right direction. And quite honestly, I'm glad we're going to talk about this. Josh Allen looks completely different. He does. It looks like somebody has honed him in. Somebody has honed him back. He is, there was one play. It was third and three. This was one of the deep shots he took on Sunday. It was third and three. The Bills had come back from a first and 25 in which they saw a holding penalty and a false start penalty. And six yard gain from TJ Yell, or excuse me, a six yard gain from Devin Singletary. And then a 16 yard catch from Dawson Knox got them in third and three. And then you see a deep shot to their yeah, slot I I receiver. I didn't understand that. You see a deep shot, 25 yards downfield to a triple covered slot receiver while all the other routes are vertical as well. And Josh Allen had an open lane to his left that I know Josh Allen from his rookie season would have taken that lane. I I can guarantee you we would have taken that lane and the the drive would have continued. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Setting up all vertical routes for a quarterback who has struggled in the deep area passing game on third and three, you're not playing the sticks on third and three where nobody is open. That's the coordinator, man. Come on.
1: That's a Madden play call.
0: That is a Madden play call.
1: That's something I'd run on fourth and 30 in Madden because I don't punt. You know I mean? I mean, it's, it's, it's a theme setting your team up for failure. You're setting your young quarterback up for failure by running plays where either receivers don't get open or if you're not running the ball, then that's not helping him either. And, you know, we can say things about Allen. I think he needs to hold on to the ball a lot better. I mean, that fumble was atrocious. They got really lucky when he fumbled the ball in the red zone, but I don't know how you, I don't know how you fix that. I mean, he's in, he's a professional football player. Like how do you teach him to not fumble when he's like, I don't understand. Like, I don't How is that fixable though? I don't, I don't understand how it's fixable. It's just something he's got to figure it out.
0: Right. And in 19 of his 20 games in his career, he's fumbled. He fumbled three times last week or two weeks ago. He needs to, he needs to take care of the football. And somebody tried saying, Oh, it's an experience. I don't think that's the case because guess what? Let's make it a running back. If a running back has fumbled 11 times, 10 weeks into the season, what are we going to say? We're not going to say, oh, he needs to learn to take care of the – well, yeah, we will say he needs to learn to take care of the football, but we won't say it's from an experience. We'll say he has a fumbling issue. And if you're going to continue to use Josh Allen as a running back, essentially, then he needs to hold on to the football. I don't think Lamar Jackson has these issues. I don't. And and he's electrifying. And you see it, what Lamar Jackson, what, what, what Greg Roman, another former Bills offensive coordinator, you see what the wonders that he is doing for Lamar Jackson's career. Yeah, it wasn't just a couple seasons ago that everybody wanted that man out of town. That everybody wanted Greg Roman gone. Well, fast forward a handful of seasons. Greg Roman's ready to get a head coaching job. Brian Dable, I don't know. If, if, if there's any sort of accountability at one Bills drive for their coaches, then, he should be re- then, then his office should be getting re- redecorated at some point soon, I think. Some people want to say that that's overreacting. But guess what? If it weren't for the Bills' defense, the Bills are 0-9 this season. They are. This offense has been absolutely putrid. And we've made up every single excuse in the book as to why and how this offense can and will improve. Well, here we are more than two-thirds of the way through the season. I think if you're projecting improvement, you're optimistically speculating at that point. Honestly, I mean, it could happen. Who knows? It could happen. I think a good start is activating TJ Yeldon. Another good start Mm -hmm. is getting Robert Foster involved. Another good start is stop forcing Kobe Ford to be something he's not and playing right tackle because there's just a handful of players in this offense that are just completely misutilized. And I know
1: you've been saying, you've been having the not. I don't know. You haven't been saying it, but having the fire Brian Dable conversation for a few weeks now, and I don't think I was really completely on board with him until this week. Now I 100% am. You know, I mean, it's, it's been more than halfway through the season and nothing's changed.
0: Actually, and, uh, I, I was never on the fire Brian Dable train. Never. I never said fire the guy. I said improvement is needed in order for him to keep his job. Well, the hot advantage. seat. You said
1: he's on the hot seat.
0: Oh, yeah. That's That's what, that's what hot, I should have said. You've been saying right he's now. on the
1: hot seat, whereas I haven't really, you know, gone down that, that road. I thought, all right, we'll see how they play this weekend. It was just horrible. It was, it was horrible. They, I mean, what, what, they scored 14 points because the, the two was from the safety. So they scored 14, 14, points. 14 points against a not good Browns defense. And, I mean, and they had great field position. They started the one drive over the 50. When, uh, their last touchdown drive, right after the long punt return Mm -hmm. and they had the, where the, um, after the safety, those punts never go far. They had good field position. Then it's not like they were pinned deep all day because their defense would hold, you know, around midfield and then they'd get pinned deep. They just couldn't move the ball. And it was, it was horrible. Like the Browns would punt. I'd get up to take a piss and I'd get back and the Browns would have the ball again. I'm (laughs) like, what are you guys doing? You know, like
0: that's accurate.
1: Like, what are you guys doing eating three and outs? You know, it's against a not good Browns defense. So I'm a hundred percent for getting rid of Dable. If people think that is an over-exaggeration, then I don't know what you've been watching every Sunday. You know, people say, oh, you media people, you always just jump on the extremes because that's what people like to hear. No, this if, saying fire Brian Dable is a completely rational thought at this point in the season when, other than the last Dolphins game, I don't remember when the Bills scored more than what,
0: 22 points. I don't I don't understand what it is about this offense. I really don't. Because it'd be one thing if we saw the numbers flipped. If we saw Devin Singletary have 41, or, or if we saw the Bills running backs have 41 carries and Josh Allen threw the ball 13 times and the Bills lost the way they did. But that's a different scenario. Mm-hmm. If you're going against a run defense, like I said earlier. It allows a, they allowed 140 yard over 140 yards per game. And running backs have 13 carries. There's no excuse for that. And you know, it got me thinking in the Bills' six wins this season, the play called the Blake the Hall distribution was 58% of the time they'll pass the ball and the other 42% of the time running backs carry the ball. However, in the three losses this season, it's 71% pass plays. And it's not like the bills are trailing by substantial amounts of points. Yeah. Two of the three losses they've lost by a combined of nine points. It's not like they're getting blown out in these losses. They're barely, it's barely two possessions in two of the losses. Yes, they lost 31 to 13 to the Eagles. That, I, okay, I get that one. But if you throw the New England game in there, then you throw this pass game in there. I'm confused. I'm confused, and I will die on the hill that Brian Dable is not a professional offensive coordinator. He's not a professional coach.
1: Well, we'll see if anyone fills in Dable on that statistic you just gave about the seventy-one percent passing because he's not going to figure it out himself at this point in Week Eleven.
0: You know, um, I thank you for saying that because I wouldn't be I wouldn't be nearly as pissed off if he didn't come into the press and come into the press and say that it was tough sledding against the Browns' defense. It was tough sledding as Devin Singletary tough sled his way to averaging five yards a carry. This guy pushing, is bringing, carrying
1: defenders on his back. Singletary
0: laughable, man. It's laughable. How is this guy a professional football coach?
1: I, I, I am good. I completely agree with you.
0: I completely agree with you. I mean, I don't know. And I'll bring up this point, Jeff. If you weren't planning to use Devin Singletary, then why the hell did you cut LaShawn McCoy? Yes. Because LaShawn McCoy right now, he is youthful in his age 31 season, averaging over six yards a touch. Same with TJ Yeldon. Same thing.
1: If you're cutting McCoy, why aren't you using Yeldon? You know, I mean, you didn't, you didn't cut McCoy and sign 36 year old Frank Gore to be his replacement. You know, you, you, made those moves. You brought in Yeldon draft Singletary to have running back by committee, which I've said is not a bad thing. You know, you've nope. got the rookie, you've got the experienced guy, and then you got the guy who can catch passes out of the backfield and Yeldon. You don't activate one. The other one, Who's probably the best, which is Singletary. You don't give him the ball, and then Gore. He's been decent this year, but they just they just don't they they don't use those guys in the logical way. Which I don't by defining logical way to use running backs. I don't have an answer for that all planned out. But we watch these games and we see the play calling, and we just think hmm, that doesn't really make sense. And so they've got to figure it out, but. It's week 11, and every week we've said, oh, we'll see how they do against blah, blah, blah defense, whether they're a bad run defense, bad pass defense, good this, good that, horrible, like the Redskins or the Dolphins. We'll say, oh, we'll see how they fare next week. It's enough waiting for next week. It's been the same thing every single week, no matter who they've played. So there's got to be a change, and I hope that Brandon Bean realizes that. I hope that he doesn't – Brandon Bean doesn't sit on his pedestal and say – we're gonna see how they fared next week. No more of that. Figure it out. It's week 11 because before you, before you know it, you're gonna, you're not gonna be sitting pretty on that number five seat or number six seed anymore. You got the Raiders coming up for you. You got the Colts who they just, they just lose the Dolphins, and I don't think Raiders are good at it either. But you got teams that are gonna keep winning games. Titans won yesterday. They're five and four now. Sooner or later, if you don't figure it out, someone else is. If the Bills were better than these teams in the beginning of the season, doesn't mean they're going to be better than them at the end of the season.
0: That's very true. So we'll see. But back back to the LaShawn McCoy point, people aren't going to like it when they hear this. They won't like it at all. But people are going to have a very hard time convincing me that it's not right or not true, should I say. I think the reason you cut LaShawn McCoy is because LaShawn McCoy was the only player left in that locker room that had the balls to say something wasn't going right. Go back, go back and listen to the bites LaShawn McCoy gave, gave reporters after every game last year, and he'd say, I only got X touches. I only got the ball X times. He'd say that just about every week. I don't think all the players that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have acquired are choir boys by any means, but I think that has a lot to do with why LaShawn McCoy was cut. Because he would call Brian Dable out on his bull. That's why he got cut. And if you're not using Devin Singletary and you're inactivating TJ Yeldon every single week, then why did you cut him? Because obviously he's still an effective back. And I don't want to hear anybody try and tell me that he's not because he's 31 years old and he has six yards per touch. Maybe, Maybe it's because you're comparing one of the best offensive minds in the league, Andy Reid, to probably one of the bottom two or three with Brian Dable. Maybe that's it, but I'm not hearing anything about LaShawn McCoy not being an effective back because the bills per many outlets, they have the best graded running run blocking offensive line in the league. And I honestly think that the overall reason that they cut LaShawn McCoy was because there was no, there's no longer any player in that locker room. That'll call out a coach. That'll say, you're not doing your job correctly. Keep in mind, This isn't some rah-rah stuff. These aren't children. These aren't college kids in a locker room where the coach is the guy on the pedestal. It's not that. It's not high school where it's it's a similar comparison. This is the professional football league. These guys are peers and coworkers more than anything. They all have the same end goal. They all work together. There is no reason why a player cannot call out a coach. No reason at all. And LaShawn McCoy was the last player left in that locker room that really would have, and now he's gone. And the Bills' offense has shown little to no improvement from last year. I, that's a very interesting
1: um, way to look at it. I've never, never thought of it that way. Um, I guess I didn't really think much of the McCoy, cutting McCoy, other than you know they were looking to go in a different direction and kind of utilize some of the guys they, they signed more. But it's interesting to think about it that way. And that's, that's a whole other discussion about the culture of the Bills locker room and, you know, whether, what effect that has on how they play.
0: Well, I, I never really thought of it until I saw these tools not being utilized. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I would have cut LaShawn McCoy, too, if Devin Singletary gets the ball 18-plus times a game. Then it makes sense. I would have cut LaShawn McCoy, too. If I'm activating TJ Yeldon every week and he's being a, an, an asset in the offense, then it makes sense, but he's not. Neither of those things are applicable on a weekly basis. That's not the case. It is quite the opposite exactly. So now I, I reiterate myself. Why did you cut LaShawn McCoy if two of the backs that you brought in this, this offseason that both have very usable skill sets that aren't being used in this offense. If you weren't going, if you weren't going to utilize them, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Maybe, maybe it is the ineptitude. Maybe they plan to go air raid all season. And yes, maybe, maybe the ultimate goal is to speed up Josh Allen's development. Okay. Maybe that's the end goal. I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you right now, if I'm looking at the numbers and I'm a weekly watcher and I watch this game and I watch the film, I can tell you right now, it's not working. It's not working, and you're not going to win games. You're not going to continue to win games with the way the offense is playing.
1: Well, a lot of things would make sense if they did them differently. And that's why we're having this discussion, right? So.
0: <laughs> that's very, very true. And the thing that gets me is I watched Monday Night Football last night, and I saw three players that could all probably be on the team at the same time right now, both for a variety of teams. And this is where I'm going to talk about the complacency of the front office because you look at – I'll outline three players. Jadavian Clowney, Chase McLaughlin – yes, I'm going to say Chase McLaughlin even though he missed a kick last night. I'm going to say Chase McLaughlin and Josh Gordon. Let's start with Jadavian Clowney. So Jadavian Clowney was available, and the Seahawks acquired him by trading a third-round pick. And two below-average football players in this league, he was going to garner some money. Yeah, he's gonna get. You're gonna pay market for a player of of that magnitude. You are going to pay market money for that player. But trading a third-round pick, two below-average players, and giving the man the money he deserves is a too tall of an an ask for this football team. Now, fast forward ten weeks into the NFL season, the Bills are 21st in sacks. Trent Murphy, where's his resurgent year? As everybody thought would happen, where's his resurgent year? Jerry Hughes, while he had, he's coming off of his best game of the season, arguably against the Browns, where's he been all season? This was really the only game that I saw Jerry Hughes have an impact in.
1: Or heard his name.
0: Or heard his name. Yeah, or heard his name. The Bills' pass rush is irrelevant. There is none. There isn't a pass rush. And the, you should have traded for Jadavian Clowney. But the bills were fine. The bills were fine. And I was told that it was too rich and you would not get the most out of the deal by a lot of people. But I would die on the hill of you should have traded for Jadavian Clowney because the presence of him alone opens up your first round pick, opens up the, a player to that point who had been very productive in Jerry Hughes. Hell, maybe it'll open up Starla Tudule. Oof, oof, yeah, Oof is right. I don't understand why the Bills didn't trade for J.D. and Clowney. And you see on Monday Night Football on national television, the kind of impact that he has on that defense. Where is one player that has that kind of impact across the Bills' defensive line? I'll wait for an answer. I don't
1: disagree with you. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty always, but it's we talked a lot about getting pressure on Baker Mayfield this past Sunday because he he can't re- deal with it. To be quite frank, he can't deal with pressure, and they didn't really do a good job of doing that. You know, he had a lot of time to to um, run in the pocket or not run in the pocket, but throw from
0: the pocket. Yeah, you know? and now I'll go to Chase McLaughlin. Now, I understand he missed a kick at the end of the game. I'll tell you this. He made more field goals this past – in his last – game than Steven Hauschka did. He did. He did. He's been more accurate this season than Steven Hauschka has. And you had this kid on your team. They had him on the team, and they cut him. After Steven Hauschka misses a – he hooked it. There was no reason for him to miss that kick. There was no weather impact. He just hooked it. Hooked a 49-yard field goal. So what you do to give your kicker more confidence – is you gave a 34-year-old kicker with a bad back who is coming off his worst season of his career a two-year contract extension. Steven Hauschka currently has the highest cap hit of any kicker in the NFL. And that includes Justin Tucker. I couldn't tell you the last time that dude missed. Yeah. So Steven Hauschka, who is unreliable from 50-plus, he hasn't made a 50-plus-yard field goal, what, Five attempts, that's the longest in the league. He went from the longest streak in the league of, what, 50-plus to the longest streak in the league of missing from 50-plus. What that tells me is not only is he bad at kicking long field goals, but also he's the only kicker that hasn't lost his job yet for missing those the kicks of those varieties. That's what it tells me. What it also tells me is that Brandon Bean made a bad move by giving, giving him a two-year contract extension after he missed a 49-yard field goal in preseason. But no, after Steven Aushka hooks a 49-yard field goal in the preseason, I'm told it's just preseason. I'm told it's not applicable because it's preseason. And that it's just fine. And that the dude has missed four field goals in practice all preseason. When you take the things with face value. Against the Jets, Steven Hauschka took a dirty hit from Henry Anderson. Yeah, he did. And he messed up his back. Steven Hauschka is a 34-year-old guy with a bad back. I'm not 34 years old with a bad back, but I can tell you right now, if I was, I wouldn't want to kick 50-plus-yard field goals anymore. He's 34 years old with a bad back, and you give him a two-year contract extension after he hooks one left, and then the kicker you had on your team, who made a 50-plus yarder in the preseason, the kicker you had on your team, You just caught him. I'm confused by that one as well.
1: Well, I think that Hauschka, when he first got to Buffalo and did a nice job, probably gave him the reputation, if you will. You know, this guy, I mean, he was good with the Seahawks before. But, yeah, you make a good point. I'm not going to put too much. I mean, obviously, I guess I should put value in the kicking because I lost the game for the Bills yesterday, somewhat, or Sunday. But I'm not going to put too much value into the kicker. I mean, I think that mclaughlin could have just as easily has missed had missed that but when he did make the the field goal at the end of the game to tie it we're like oh man i guess somebody's getting somebody's getting this guy when uh what's his name comes back robbie gold gold yeah who i uh who got dropped from my fantasy team this week because uh he didn't play and i pick up a new kicker every week so whoever's playing like the jets or whatever
0: yeah if, there, if there's gonna be a solution to it i I'd imagine it be made when one of either Chase McLaughlin or Robbie Gold get cut when Robbie Gold's healthy. That's what's going to happen. And the third player that played last night and had an impact on the game was Josh Gordon. And here we are talking about how the Bills' offense is inept. They lack playmakers. They lack consistency. They lack potency. While Josh Gordon's doing perfectly fine with the likes of Russell Wilson, for for Russell Wilson, and he has – a young receiver opposite him him and DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. You will have a hard time convincing me that this offense wouldn't look completely different to what it is now, or similar to the Seahawks right now, but completely different to what it is now if they had a boundary receiver like Josh Gordon opposite John Brown and then Cole Beasley in the slot. John Brown's doing things that no Bills receiver's ever done. He's the first Bills receiver to have four or more catches, in nine in 50 or more yards in nine consecutive games that's incredible that's incredible and i can't i can't fathom why you wouldn't want to improve your wide receiver because i'm yeah i'm going to have another moment of lack of nuance the bills wide receiver room sucks it does who do we want to say is a competent receiver opposite john brown is it duke williams no Is it the dude you signed to return kicks for your football team? No. Is it Robert Foster, who had the most potential of any receiver that you brought back from last year? He has one catch in nine games. And apparently this dude's good for nothing other than go routes and deep posts at this point because he showed no capabilities of running anything other than those two plays or routes, should I say, last season after he had nearly 500 yards receiving. Because we just don't want to use Robert Foster. So – who in the wide receiver room right now is better than Josh Gordon? And why didn't you add him? Is it because of the process? Is it because of the culture? Because right now, this culture, it's starting to lack. It's starting to slack a little bit. When you lose two of your last three games, one of which you got out coached by probably the worst coaching staff in the NFL with Freddie Kitchens, who, who him, him himself made two really dumb timeout calls in that football game. But at the end of the day, you lost, so at the end of the day, you got outcoached. And Mm -hmm. this is Sean McDermott, too. This falls on the shoulders of him as well. How many times has this guy gotten outcoached since he was the head coach for the Bills? I'm not saying I'm no longer believing in the process, and by no means am I discrediting the wonders that this regime has done for this football team, but their complacency and the non-moves are starting to add up, and their impact on an inferior football team Yes, I call the Bills an inferior football team is starting to show because as they have this t- a really tough latter half of the schedule, yeah, we're going to figure out what this team's really about now. It's no more of, well, they've won six games. Be happy. They've won six games. They've only lost three. Well, guess what? We're not going to be questioning the quality of the Bills opponents after, at the conclusion of the season. We'll figure out what this team's really about. We will whether we like it or not. And then we'll also figure out what Brian dabble is. I'm not going to say we'll figure out what Josh Allen is because I think if you fire Brian Dable at the end of the season, Josh Allen's clock restarts.
1: Well, how about if you fire him now then
0: Brian Dable? or
1: yeah. Yeah. Dable. Does Honestly, that restart Allen's clock?
0: It depends on the production or growth or regression that you'll see after Brian Dable's gone in my opinion, because the only person in that, offensive meeting room that I could see getting the head coaching job as Josh Allen's coach, Ken Dorsey, <laughs> which I loved that hire. I loved it when they brought in Ken Dorsey. And what it told me was, all right, the bills are ready. They're ready for either Brian Dable to the bed or they're ready for Brian Dable to do great and get a head coaching job. And guess what? Brian Dable has the bed. And yes, you can say what you will about a quarterback. That's not even two seasons into his career. Go ahead, pick him apart. Pick apart how he can't read a defense or how he can't throw 41 times against the sixth best pass, pass defense in the NFL. But his offensive coordinator in all three losses this season has done him little to no favor in every game.
1: Well, I don't want to get too deep into this, but the whole six and three thing. And people being upset. I am happy with six and three. I understand that there hasn't really been a sig- there hasn't been anything close to signature twin. There hasn't really been a good win. I think probably the best win so far is at Tennessee. I'm happy with six and three thus far. We say this, but if before the season you would have said we're six and three right now, we would have taken it. You know? Six and three is good. and the thing is, people want to say, oh, the Bills are not, not going to beat good teams anytime soon. They don't have to. They maybe need to win one. I mean, I took some heat on Twitter for saying this, but look at who the bills play. They need, you figure you need 10 wins to get in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. They have six right now. You play Miami this week. You play the Broncos. You play the jets again. I don't care who the jets have beat. They still suck. Same with the dolphins. I don't care if they beat. They still suck. You play the Steelers who I think are beatable. You play the Cowboys who are Beatable, in my opinion. I think I'm not saying the Bills are gonna beat the Cowboys, but they're beatable. So if you beat the Jets, the Broncos, and the Dolphins, and then you either need to beat the Steelers or the Cowboys to get in the playoffs, sign me up. That's assuming you lose those other games. But so for me, it's the loss did suck, and I was I was pissed off about the loss until I got on Twitter and saw everybody panicking. Everyone's like, oh, the season's over. And I'm and I'm sit back and think, wait a minute. And I I was upset, but the Bills lost to a team that's underperformed all year. They were underdogs in, and it's not the end of the world in my opinion. I don't like seeing the extreme fans on Twitter that think it's the end of the world. They say we can't even beat a two and six team.
0: Are you freaking kidding me? No, 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 no. That's what a lot of people are going to do. They look at just the records. Ah, oh, the Bills. They're six and two. They're playing the two and six Browns. The two and six Browns came into that game upset. they were they were favored in that game for a reason. They had won a home game all year. And guess what? They had their backs against the wall and Baker Mayfield's pretty good with a chip on his shoulder. I don't know if anybody's heard yet, but he's pretty good with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah.
1: He's a walk on, you know, you know, he walked on <laughs> at Oklahoma and you know, he's only five foot 10 and you know, he's, he's got progress in a progressive commercial. He has a, a walk on at Oklahoma in case you didn't know. He has
0: a lot of commercials.
1: It's Andy's too- a walk-on at Oklahoma. Did you know that he was a walk-on in college? That's the first time I heard it and told you. Really? He walked on to the program. Damn. <laughs>
0: Impressive. <laughs> Damn. But but it's yeah. not the end of the world. It's not. The Bills are six and three. I know. I'm yes. happy with six and three. And people
1: people are mad. I mean, I I'm happy with six and three. I think I'm going to stick to my guns on that, and I'm going to stick to my guns that I don't care the Bills didn't get Josh Gordon because. The wide receivers are not the problem. I already said that, and I'm going to stick to it. So those are my two, my two dissenting opinions today. So do
0: you do you think they should go for it for Des Bryant?
1: I don't know. The guy hasn't played all year.
0: I mean, do you, do you think Des Bryant would change the dynamic of this offense?
1: Um, no. I honestly believe that better play calling and. Better quarterback play is what, will, is what will put them over the hump because they don't need to be great. Here's a point I wanted to make today. People say that the Bills' offense is so bad they'll keep them all the playoffs. Their defense is so good, and more so the AFC is so bad that, that they're a playoff team because of those two, those two things alone. So if the offense can score, you, you don't need to score 30 points a game. You might need to score, what, 22 points a game. And you are got 11 wins, 10 wins. And they're a playoff contender. You know, you're playing – we talked about this before. You're playing the Colts maybe in the first round or the Texans. Even the Chiefs who are 6-4, and the Chiefs are so beatable. I understand they didn't have their quarterback for the last few weeks, but they're beatable. They had them yesterday. The Titans beat them. The Bills won on the same field that the Chiefs lost on yesterday. The same exact field, the same exact place. And so I, I get the offense needs to be better. I don't think bringing in a big name does that. You know, I, I whenever I hear that, I think of Kelvin and Benjamin. And how oh, much God, don't sucked. start on KB. Yeah, I, I that's what my mind goes to automatically when I, when I think of things like that, especially Dez Bryant. Dez Bryant was a great player with the Cowboys. I don't think that bringing him in magically fixes anything, because I don't think Brian Dable can call plays that get Dez Bryant open. I don't think Brian Dable could call plays that would get Michael Thomas open or Odell. He's, you know, they're just... I think that if you want to really change the offense, it obviously starts with the two people we've talked about all day. First, Abel, and somewhat Allen,
0: too, even though he has been better. Right. I, you make a 110% fair point. But anytime we talk about this, we talk, we, we talk about the Bills adding a receiver midseason. I'm brought back to when they added Terrell Pryor. And no, it wasn't a successful move. By no means was that a good or successful move, the one that inevitably worked for this football team. But that is the worst case scenario. It doesn't work. You paid him little to no dollarly amount and you cut him. Well, then that Des, I
1: don't think, is that kind of player, though. I mean, Des would be more like a Kelvin Benjamin thing, in my opinion. You think so? I, I think that you, if you're bringing in a guy with that big of a name, then you're going to want to make every effort to utilize him. And it, even if he gets off to a slow start, you say, oh, well, it's Des Bryant. You know, prior, prior doesn't really fit in to start. And you say, oh, well, that's a failed experiment. But you're bringing in Des Bryant. You say, oh, s***, Bryant. He's going to score some touchdowns eventually, right? I don't know. I think that there would be more like, a, more like a KB situation than a prior. But you could be right.
0: The thing is with Des Bryant is – I'll go back to face value again. The, the Saints signed him last year, and he unfortunately tore his ACL and before he even played a game for the New Orleans Saints.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The Saints arguably should have been in the Super Bowl last year. They went to the conference title. And as the Saints got ready to make their Super Bowl push, they brought in Des Bryant. This is good. If this is a move that's good enough for a Super Bowl contending football team and that's where the Bills want to be, then why shouldn't they make the move? Because like I just mentioned, worst case scenario, this guy's Terrell Pryor and nothing happens and you cut him three weeks later. Best case scenario, I think at that point, the possibilities are endless
1: we'll see i i i would not do it if i was being but i would also do some other things that he's not doing so
0: yeah <laughs> that's a very fair point but we've alluded to it throughout the show of playoff contention in this afc we've talked about it and you know after a loss we have to we have to consider have all things considered of whether or not the bills can make the playoffs with how the AFC is and after a very bad start throughout the entire conference, the AFC starting to heat up. It's starting to get very competitive. Just Look at the AFC West. The chiefs are six and four. The Raiders are five and four and the chargers who are a damn good football team are four and six. Some way, somehow they are four and six of those three teams. I wouldn't be surprised if two made it in. I really wouldn't. You look at the, the Chiefs were expected to be one of the t- two top seeds, and now they're not all of a sudden. And that's really what's made things also hairy. That's really what has messed up the AFC uh, conference rankings, if you will. And then you go to the AFC North, you got the Ravens, who are 7-2. and two. The Steelers, who have won, what, three in a row? And they're sitting at 5-4. and four. And then the AFC South, there's no clear division champion there. I think only one is going to make it in just because of – the, the, the lack of success that the second place team would have because they're probably going to finish eight and eight or nine and seven. The second place team that would be you got the Texans who are six and three, Colts are five and four, t- Titans are five and five. I'm not really worried about the Titans, to be honest, because the Bills have a tiebreaker against the Titans. Yeah. And then the Jaguars who are four and five and they just got their starting quarterback back. The AFC's is heating up and the Bills can't afford to lose to many more football teams that they really shouldn't. I so
1: are you asking me whether the Bills are a playoff team?
0: Are you worried? Are you worried about the AFC? Are you worried about the Bills being the five or six seed? Are you worried that two teams are going to get them bounced?
1: No. Um. No. I'm not worried about John Gruden coming in with the Raiders. John Gruden is not getting into the playoffs over the Bills. Spider Two Y Banana is not being the six seed if the Bills are in the, in the hunt graphic where you know we're used to being in that time of year in the hunt. I'm not worried about the Raiders. I think too many things have already gone wrong. in for the chargers, for that, for them, for that to all of a sudden turn around, you know, I mean, they essentially I, have to win out. Yeah. They have talent, but talent, it's more than talent. And I think that if something was, was going to click for them, it would have already done it by now. Like we said, we're going into week 11 now, but I think the bills schedule, we've talked about it so much. And I already said the teams that they need to be are not good. And I think for that reason, I think the bills are still a playoff team. I think that they're a five or six team. You know, I, I, I really would have liked for them to win yesterday and be seven and two, but they didn't. And I, it doesn't change my mind though, that they're a playoff team. I I really think that they are because if they go take care of business against the dolphins this week. You're seven and three, you know, and then, the Broncos, you're eight and three. Even if you split those, you're uh, – God, that crushes me thinking losing to the Dolphins or the Broncos. But worst case scenario, you split those, you're seven and four. That's not a bad place to be if you got to go two and two the rest of the year to make the playoffs, you know? Yeah. I Or no, I, three yeah, and two.
0: It, yeah, you'd have to go three and two with that, with those teams that you have to play. But I I'm just not sure. It's getting murky. It's getting really murky. And you never know. It's any given Sunday in this league. Yeah. And the Bills should have beaten the Browns and that's a game. Okay. So you drop a game to the Browns. Let's go back to the discussion we had when you're playing the Titans. That's a game that was must win at that point in order to maintain confidence in the locker room, in order to not drop two to two, two, or back to back games rather. Two AFC opponents and also puts you in a favorable position come the conclusion of the season. I'm not saying the Browns are a playoff team. No, I'm not saying that, but it's, it's a conference opponent that you should have beat that if you beat, I mean, you're setting yourself up in a favorable position if you beat the Browns because the Browns beat the Ravens. Yeah, they beat the Ravens and now either the Baltimore game or the Steeler game, those are must wins. Now they really are if you want to set yourself up in favorable position to either get the five or six seed, one of those two games are must win. You have to find some way, somehow, to find four, three or four more wins along the way. 4 I, I, I'm going to say four. Yeah, you have to. Because we've seen this Bills team get into the back door in the playoffs before. We saw, them, we saw how they got to the playoffs in 2017. That was great. Wonderful. You ended the drought. But it's, now it's time to legitimize yourself as a real playoff contender. And at the end of the day, I think the bills are a playoff contender. I do. You look at the dynamic of the football team, as Jeff alluded to, you look at their defense that will keep them in any and all football games of the season. There has to be some time, some point in time where the offense clicks. There's there just has to be. And if there's not, well, that falls on the shoulders. of an inexperienced quarterback and an inept offensive coordinator. And then the, the the correct moves should, they should be made. I don't know if they will be made, but something will happen at that point. Whether it's Brian Dable being fired or Ken Dorsey being made offensive coordinator or inevitably Anthony Lane getting fired from the chargers and brought back to Buffalo. I would love that, but I don't think it will happen. I think the Bills are a playoff contender this year. I don't think they're going to be in the hunt. I think they're going to be in. And I think they find their wins. I'm I'm tend to agree with you, Jeff, that they find their wins against the Dolphins, the Broncos, the Cowboys and the Jets. If they if they find some way to make it to 11 and 5 and cement their place in the playoffs, they'd be great. But I do think they find four more wins along the way.
1: I think they're saying the Bills aren't a playoff contender would be an overreaction to the Browns loss hundred percent. So that's where I stand. You know, I don't like to, I don't want to overreact to what happens week to week. I mean, imagine what the saints people are saying about losing to the Falcons this week when they were seven and one losing to one eight 18 or one and seven. Imagine what they're saying this week. You know, you can't put too much weight on what happens week to week. So I think that saying the bills aren't a playoff team would just be overreacting to what happened on Sunday. And I don't want to do that. If they lose to the Dolphins, completely different story. We're allowed to bitch all we want if they lose to the Dolphins. But for right now, keep it in check. I think the Bills are still a playoff contender. And I'm going to keep saying they are until they give me a reason not to.
0: Well, the Bills have a game this week, believe it or not. And we haven't really highlighted the matchup all, too, all that much because there, there are other talking points to talk about about this football team. So it's going to be short. It's going to be sweet. But my key to this game sustain drives. Sustain drives and get three instead of six, or get six instead of three.
1: Oh, I was going to say. The Bills. Trying to get Hauschka back in business here.
0: Well, maybe he needs a momentum and a little kick in the rear. Maybe. But you need to sustain drives. You need to fix the problems on third down because you look at the third down inefficiencies literally since the first month of the season, since. Bills played the Patriots, really. They've had a problem on third down. Teams have kind of figured out what to do to Josh Allen when he gets in these third down situations. You send the house, and you play man coverage. And you know what would help that? You want to know a good start to solving that issue? Start T.J. Yeldon. Well, not not start. Let's start off by activating him. Activate T.J. Yeldon. Give Josh Allen an outlet back to throw the ball to, to dump the ball off to who's essentially a receiver once he gets into the open field. And then as far as my prediction is concerned, I'm going to pick the bills and yes, the loss of the Browns is discouraging, but I'm going to pick the bills because the dolphins, they're not a good football team. Yeah. They've won two in a row. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick is on a tear. And Guess so. what? Bill's fans. We're all familiar. That is going to hit the fan before it won't. It, it is going to hit the van. Inevitably that will hit the fan. And hopefully it happens against the Bills. And that's why I'm taking the Bills in favor, a score of 23 tonight.
1: Okay. So you want the Bills to sustain drives. I want them to finish them. I think that by, you know, kicking field goals, you're letting the Dolphins stick around in the game, which is not good. Never. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It's not good to let teams stick around, especially when you're playing on the road. Against a team that might have some confidence now and can say, "Okay, we can really play spoiler and string some wins together here, and, and really get some respect around the league for what we're doing," I think that if you you, they're, I think the Bills will move the ball against the Dolphins, but they really just need to punch it in, score touchdowns, not field goals. Because you say you get three drives in the first half and you kick three field goals, just like the, the last time. <laughs> yep, and then you, put, you but you score three touchdowns, you get, it's twenty one points. Assuming Houshu doesn't miss the extra points but, but it's 21 points. You know, that's a lot more than nine. Um, I'm going to pick the bills. Um, I'm going to say 21 to 17, a, clo- a really close, just because that's what I've seen from the bills this year. They've played a lot of close games. So I'm going to pick them 21 to 17. I think they're going to do just enough to win and I'm not going to be mad about it at all. I'm going to be happy. I will say I am nine and O picking bills games this year. I picked the Browns last week. Um, it was 20. I picked it 28, 24. I guess I had a little more confidence in, uh, the offense is there, and maybe I thought that the Browns were going to score on one of their eight goal line plays or nine, um, but we'll see if I can keep my streak going this week. So not that it's really that impressive because, I don't know, the, there's not really been, I don't know, there's been a couple toss-up games, but I guess I just guessed right.
0: Uh, I, I mean, or you can just call me a fanboy because I picked, I've, I've picked against the Bills once. <laughs> that's really, that, that, that's what it could boil down to but I think it's more than fair to Homer. The this week. Yeah. Yeah. Homer. I'm a Homer when I'm calling for Brian Dables head, right? Yes. Me. <laughs> but here at the conclusion of the show, Jeff, please tell the people where they can find you. Go follow me on Twitter. Real R E A L J U V E I N O. And don't forget to follow the cold front report on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. That's at cold front report on Twitter at cold front report, underscore bills news on Instagram and cold front report, colon, Buffalo Bills news on Facebook. And if you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at CFR Clayton. That's at CFR C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. And thank you all for listening. And this has been the Overtime Podcast presented by the Cold Report.